value giving is so important mm -hmm. but sometimes it needs a bit of time sometimes mm -hmm. the good stuff takes a bit of time sometimes Absolutely. the good photo takes more than one trip and one quick edit in a car to mm -hmm. really touch you you know totally. and i'd rather create something that can outlast the everyday quick scroll mm -hmm. and um not as opposed to yeah just post every day for the sake of feeding some algorithm Hello and welcome to the Golden Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Mays, and today we speak with amazing photographer, Carmen Hutter. Carmen is an Austrian-born but New Zealand-living photographer who has well over 134,000 followers on Instagram. In our interview with Carmen, we talk about how she began her journey in photography, coming from a more business perspective, which then led to her starting a blog and doing fashion stuff. And now she's traveling the globe doing incredible travel photography on Instagram and for different brands. This was actually the first time that Carmen has been to mainland United States of America. So it was fun to kind of hear her perspective coming from Austria, New Zealand, and obviously seeing the world, uh, getting her perspective on LA is kind of fun. And hearing her journey of basically being a self-made photographer, entrepreneur, is real inspiring and I think anybody out there who is wanting to start a business in photography will be inspired by this interview with Carmen. So without any further ado, let's listen in on my interview with Carmen Hutter. Um, so you were telling me before we started rolling that you were Austrian. Yes, not but, Australian. Yeah, but mm. you grew up in New Zealand. No, I grew up in Austria. <laughs> What? <laughs> I moved to New Zealand. I, I went to New Zealand when I was 18 to learn English. Oh, okay. And then I ended up coming back a year later. Um, and then I did my whole university there. And now okay. it's sort of my home base. Which okay. is very inconvenient given the job I have. So I'm going to uh -huh. shift it shortly more towards your direction. But yeah. it's still at the moment. But as people are listening to this podcast, they New can Zealand. hear a slight accent. Yes. And it does sound New Zealandish, But you also have a blend of Austrian, I guess, too. That's the one. Yeah. yeah so and it's real confusing for people because yeah. uh people say that your last name is hunter but yeah. it's not it's hutter yes and people <laughs> I probably kind of like went out with like it's hutter yeah <laughs> and uh, another thing that people are probably confused with you say i'm from austria and then like they think you say Aust australia, australia yeah. because it's near new zealand exactly. you sort of sound like that so you're just full of confusion I'm, yeah that's a good start that's a really <laughs> but but you're not a confusing person you're an amazing person uh everybody go check out carmen's instagram page while we're talking about it and if you're listening to the audio podcast go on polarprofilters.com slash golden hour and you can watch the video and we're going to look at some of your images and talk about them and we'll have that in the video so you can see the photos um but we're happy to have you on the podcast thank you for having me thanks for coming all the way from where'd you come from to be here in california i mean la oh yeah, yeah. well yeah today, today <laughs> you drove we just here. came from italy yeah and you mentioned how this is actually your first kind of experience being mainland yeah. america i don't know what happened there seriously or, uh north america yeah the people in south america when americans say right. i'm american so, they get yeah, so angry I, I would too yeah no i've been all over i've been to an incredible amount of places in this world i just somehow have yeah navigate it around central well welcome what do you Not what are your thoughts so far <laughs> well I, you know it's actually funny with la i feel like there's this strange 
thing in the air, strange attitude of broken, but also very hopeful dreams. Uh-huh. Maybe it's just because we've been staying in Hollywood. So maybe there's like an amplified energy there, but I You're can definitely feel that. officially in Orange County right now. Oh, yes. This so what's is, the energy uh, here? So the people here are very uh, laid back and often people who want to like raise a family live here mm. and they might work in LA, but mm-hmm. they live here. It's easier to like kind of have a backyard and like have kind of a normal Space. life here mm-hmm. uh there's a little bit more wealth here as well and there's a lot of beaches and so beach life so it's definitely a more chill place and Sounds that's why happy. i love living here and a lot of people from orange county would say yeah i'd never live in la so yeah. it's a different world for sure hollywood's interesting though isn't it like you kind of see it in the movies you think uh. it's like this romantic thing but then when you see it it's kind of unfortunately a little run down but aged for sure yeah mm. did you like go down the strip yet and yeah, like see yeah, yeah. the the was it the chinese theater and the hollywood sign and all that all these things yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's 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 just it's yeah it's interesting you have so much in your head yeah. that you think it's gonna be like you got a little taste of the traffic today yeah that was great yeah you're in the car for what like Thanks three for hours being so patient with us. yeah oh i don't care i'm working on my little iphone video oh, yeah, that i showed you, you earlier <laughs> Um, so anyways, thanks for being here. You are a Polar Pro person. Uh, you did do a amazing focus video. Thank you. That was incredible. Uh, definitely go check that out on our YouTube channel. Um, but uh, you travel a lot and you photograph your whole experience. I want to just kind of get in a nutshell about you. Tell sure. me about Carmen, how you got started in photography. So, yeah, as I said, I came to New Zealand when I was 18 to study English. Mm-hmm. Um, the only reason I came to New Zealand is because I had sort of quite a rough upbringing. And I decided when I was 14, I got an atlas as a Christmas gift, actually. Mm. And New Zealand was the furthest away from my home country. But <laughs> <laughs> sad. But anyway, wow. uh, it's, it, it seemed like quite the exotic place being so far away. So I told yeah. myself I would take a few months out um, after high school to just go and study English, which I did. And I didn't. I didn't mean to travel. I didn't mean to. I would watch travel documentaries uh-huh. every day, but I would never think there could be something I could do. Which I think a lot of people, when they're young, and especially females, think that it's something mm. that's not accessible to them because we're not being shown it in our vicinity. And when I grew up, Instagram wasn't a thing. So you mm. know. And then anyway, I um, did the English thing. Ended up traveling. Ended up traveling a lot every year. I would sort of work and this is fresh out of high school fresh out of high school yeah so, so no no university experience or anything you just went straight into it no 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 so i went straight into studying english and then doing some like random internships and things gotcha. and then traveling and then i ended up doing my whole university in new zealand so i got oh, a scholarship wow. for that and then for what what was your degree? commerce so like management human resources and spanish okay yeah. spanish too wow random thing to study in new zealand so how many languages can you speak uh don't test me on it now but <laughs> technically <laughs> um, uh, Italian and German and English and Spanish. Uh, I studied Latin. I speak a bit of Chinese and a bit, bit of French. Oh as well. man! Yeah. <laughs> that initial flight all the mm-hmm. way from Austria to New Zealand made me realize how much there is in between. Sounds so naive, but sometimes yeah. you literally have to be there to understand. Yeah, absolutely. And so that kind of really inspired me to then just have several jobs during uni, and then every summer, every summer break, I would go and travel by myself mostly, or sometimes with friends or my partner, and um, we would just go anywhere so i like solo travel through china and south america and indonesia and wow all these kinds of places and it's i feel really lucky to have had that experience because i didn't travel for the photos mm-hmm. i traveled for the experience this is before you were a photographer yeah, or yeah. whatever i didn't but back then i didn't you did it for I, fun though i, I guess did, yeah right? i did it for the experience i did it for fun i did it to learn mm-hmm. and that's nice now because it kind of helps me bring that back that intention when i'm yeah. like going from one country to another with a yeah. camera always in it's my like hand, a you know? really kind of pure like 
reason to travel mm. i mean that's kind of the point right it should be the point <laughs> but then you know instagram it becomes a business it a bit differently yeah mm-hmm. yeah um so yeah i did that and i finished my degree and then wow. i was supposed to go into a master's program and i had a job lined up as well and like a business consultancy mm-hmm. and um sort of just left it and then um i didn't know what to do with myself so i went long distance hiking i just hiked for 10 days uh-huh because I'm like, screw that, I'm, go- I'm going, I'm going, I'm leaving. <laughs> so I went into the New Zealand bush to just go hike. And um, by then I already had a blog. I had a fashion blog for mm-hmm. one for almost a year then, which was doing pretty well. Just a bit confusing. I don't really know where the fashion aspect came into it. I really enjoy fashion, but mm-hmm. I soon realized it was a little bit, it wasn't just my kind of crowd. Yeah. So I felt like I had to shift into something else. I wasn't sure. What was it I, called? Uh, just my name as well. Yeah, oh, okay. luckily, um, nothing. Uh-huh. strange about that but I was doing yeah. a lot of you know daily outfits and a lot of fashion shoots and things That's like cool. this um, and so I kept it up for a bit longer so basically I told myself I'm giving myself a year and I'm going to see what's going to happen I'm giving myself a year to basically live off very little and live off my savings and maybe mm. get some a random freelance like writing jobs and things like this on the side to, to, to make sure my rent is covered and I'm just going to try and create like I just had create as the main intention I wasn't sure what I was going to create mm-hmm. where I'm going to go just create and so I kept up the fashion blog and then slowly and surely, so that, that year went pretty well. I ended up making a bit of money, N- not much at all mm-hmm. in any respect, but you know, enough to kind of see live. like a little bit of a opportunity. Yeah. So I kept on going again. And then after about two years, I think I, s- I moved into the travel world because I, uh, one of my photos got featured in National Geographic uh, online. And that just made me realize, oh, wow. And that was still like on a crop sensor camera, like aperture mm-hmm. priority. Like I had no idea what I was yeah. doing. Um, what camera? Sony A Sony A six thousand. Yep. Yeah. That's we've mm-hmm. talked to so many it's people so on this podcast, it's and so that's good. their first camera. I reckon I owe actually a lot of my um, skill set to it because it was so easy to learn. Mm. I think if I started with a with a DSLR, it would have been a mm-hmm. completely different story. Um, they finally updated it. They did, yeah. Like last month, the sixty yeah. one hundred. So I now actually, you can recommend it to people. Oh yeah, I do it all the time, and I actually gave away that Sony A six earlier this year I did like a I, I gave away all my early cool. camera gadgets to someone who wanted to be oh, kind of really same cool. shoes as I oh you didn't want to put it in a shadow box and put it on your wall nah <laughs> <laughs> alright sorry I'm a, anyway. I'm a gear guy so I'm yes. anytime you talk about gear I get excited let's just keep talking and we can okay. go back to the gear sure. later absolutely yeah, no <laughs> so yeah so you had the crop sensor it was featured on Nat, Nat Geo yeah. you were like wow I'm using like a kit lens and a cheap camera right like I honestly felt like it was a bit of a joke because I'm like, I have no idea what I was doing. Mm. You know, I was calling my, I don't know, I was still sort of like a fashion blogger and I was traveling a lot. So there were a lot of sort of just randomly mm-hmm. edited photos on my feed. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was, it was just, a, a, I was definitely still on a, on the beginning of a journey, but having an outlet like NetGear re- recognize your work makes you realize you should probably get your gear into order and just yeah. do something because there's opportunity. And so I did. So I slowly started to understand what it's like to shoot manual and actually watch some YouTube videos and do all the things that mm-hmm. they tell you to do in the start. But I was like, nah, <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> um, so I, <laughs> I ended up I'm doing all of that and got, got myself an, an actual camera. So, mm-hmm. I mean, so well, it was great. one, you know, it was, it's, but just a, a, a full um, full frame. And mm-hmm. I got a Sony A7 II. Nice. And then I um I think that's just when I opened myself up to actually asking more questions to other photographers and teaming up with other photographers too. By then I was still a lot in the sort of fashion crowd. I was traveling mm-hmm. a lot with people who weren't in the creative industry at all mm. because I was quite shy of it. It's very intimidating, especially as someone who has never been told that I have any, 
not that you have to be told that but i just never felt like i had a creative yeah. talent or i didn't have much of a creative crowd no, around me it's it's okay like you do need to be told that and it's hard if you don't grow up with that yeah um i mean you know in school mathematics was my best subject and i graduated with like straight a's of business wow. like that you know i was mm-hmm. told i'm good at that so that's yeah. what i thought is me um well, those things definitely help they definitely <laughs> help for sure but there's something else too you know i think yeah. it's always important we, we all have two sides there's yeah. this it's more how, how we nurture them mm-hmm. um so yeah slowly started getting into the crowd and saying hi to people and mm-hmm. sort of just dming people be like hi like do you know I what year that was hmm? that was right. maybe one and a half years ago so i okay. guess all of this has been three or four years wow yeah and now we're here. And now we're yeah, here. That's that. And now we're it's here with a blue check mark <laughs> on your account, over 133,000 followers, and a very active and incredible Instagram feed. But beyond that, your um, your kind of message to the world is a really powerful one. It's create more than you consume. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that message. Can you talk about that and why that's such an important thing for you and your your creation? Of course. Um, I. You know, from the very beginning, I put creating as my primary intention because it helps helps you get out of your head. You know, mm-hmm. it helps you focus on on the on the on the physical task of creating something for the sake of maybe an enjoyment, entertainment, maybe talking about a bigger message, whatever it might be. But it mm-hmm. helps you get to work really. Um, and then once I've sort of slowly moved out of the fashion world, I started to understand how. Um, how sustainability plays a role in really every industry we are in, whether it's in business or fashion or travel, and how much of um, an impact you can make just by changing your own behavior, mm-hmm. which I slowly did. And so I slowly started to educate myself around things I can do in terms of what I eat and what I consume. And then it just came to a place where it's like so much in social media goes around, please consume this. Mm-hmm. You should just consume this. I'm not really gonna tell you why, that's not really an intention, but just consume <laughs> it, mate. Like just yeah, buy yeah. it because it's ultimately making me money you know that's yeah. sort of like it's a, it's it's a very simple just scroll down your instagram and sure. you get ads for stuff it's like i don't want that but i guess i do but also like i don't want it i yeah. wasn't looking for it but there it is yeah it's and i think constant i agree and i think so much of what we do in life with the relationships we're in or what we do for work or what mm-hmm. we do in our free time comes down to intention like we all we all have mm-hmm. a lot of choices to make and sometimes we forget that we have power to make these choices you mm-hmm. know so I realized, man, there is a lot of opportunity here. I feel a lot happier talking about things that we could do as a community, we could do individually to make the world a better place. So at yeah. least do our part, um, as opposed to telling you um, that I have these pants from a fast fashion shop that <laughs> are gonna break like in two weeks, but you should buy them anyway. Yeah. Um, not to say that there's something specifically wrong with this. It's just, it didn't feel like myself. Sure. I think this is where, you know, I'm not I'm not shaming anyone who, who doesn't really appreciate that kind of world, but yeah. it's more, I felt I was contributing value. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important to do something that you feel like you're 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 doing something of value to Absolutely. yourself and to others. Because that's what keeps it going. The rest, you know, all the the verified texts and the followers and mm-hmm. even the lovely engagement I get and I have such a, like amazing connections with the people that are on there. At the end of the day it's you that's really what, what it's about. The mm-hmm. all all the quote unquote fame doesn't do much yeah. in the long term of course. so being able to provide something of value to yourself and to others is, is that what keeps me going that gives you real fulfillment yeah, you know? yeah. I think uh, it's it's fascinating to think about the fact that like Instagram 20 years ago didn't exist mm. the internet in general was completely different mm. uh, it's almost like a, an experiment that we're all playing on humanity oh, right I now agree. because yeah. if you look at just the thousands and thousands of years that have existed without any internet 
like there's a reason why you feel more fulfilled doing that it's because it's like that's how humans are made to be is to interact with other people to have real life connection to make a difference in the world through you know planting a farm or I don't know like there's a lot of things but that's why you're basically what you're doing and what you're advocating for is just tapping into human nature in general yeah and listening to more to your environment and to Mm -hmm. your own voice and just being more frank and more honest with with, with these things it's like there's so many things that we are being told and we know there's so many facts we know what's going on in the world we know what's happening with climate change we know what's Mm -hmm. happening with the rate of depression amongst people and all these things yeah. but at the end of the day you know it's we, we have to make an active choice to do something about that mm-hmm. because compartmentalizing our life and saying you know we go to the gym here we go to work here then we are like on our phone by ourselves at night we're gonna eat at the desk at work and yeah we, we don't care about anything that's happening behind us mm-hmm. or around us and climate change doesn't matter to me because i'm gonna die anyway yeah okay you, sure you can live like this but ultimately like mm-hmm. that's not gonna you're not gonna go to bed feeling feeling content mm-hmm. and really what are we here to do i don't you know happiness is a fleeting feeling but if you can't yeah. feel content at the end of the day i think we're really mm-hmm. wasting our time that's a really kind of interesting thing to say being a full-time social media person yeah. like how do you how do you deal with that dichotomy of like you shouldn't be on your phone and be in nature but here's my my recent post yeah that i did a brand deal on or whatever right and i honestly it's i am so bad at it and it in a good way for me because <laughs> I just ignore my phone way too much. Okay. Like, so you just post it and I go just, away. Uh, yeah. And sometimes I just don't post for, like I went to, uh, earlier this year, I went to a couple of months ago, I went to Namibia uh-huh. and Botswana and we flew around in this tiny little plane across the two countries and we had hardly any reception. And I was just offline for most of the time. Mm-hmm. I used to feel like a lot of guilt associated with that because so much of that community is the reason why I'm able to do this, right? Sure. I mean, they've they've given me almost everything mm-hmm. um so you feel like a constant need to 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 also g- provide communication yeah um but then at the end of the day i'm like i'm my own person and i <laughs> yeah. it's, i don't i don't i've luckily disassociated myself from that because mm-hmm. associating myself with this constant um need to um first of all feel valued mm-hmm. and then also in a way give value all the time isn't it's not natural like we you know yeah. i value giving is so important Mm -hmm. but sometimes it needs a bit of time sometimes Mm -hmm. the good stuff takes a bit of time sometimes the good photo takes more than one trip and one quick edit in a car to Mm -hmm. really touch you you know and i rather create something that can outlast the everyday quick scroll Mm -hmm. and um not as opposed to yeah just post every day for the sake of feeding some algorithm made by some guy yeah not too far from here actually <laughs> yeah i know i was just up in silicon valley yesterday filming the video i just showed oh, you yeah, yeah. previously and um i got to see the new apple campus mm-hmm. and they have it's they call it the spaceship and it's apparently the most uh environmentally friendly building in the world and they are using like the way they built the windows and stuff like heat rises obviously and so you can use that to your advantage and like control the wind and the natural like flow of the air in the building so they've done that they put solar panels on the whole building the building is so uh energy efficient they're actually giving energy back to the city so they're not even consuming any energy they're giving it to the city which is insane um and that only you know, that only took a multi-billion dollar company to figure that one easy out. Easy as. Super easy. Go do it yourself. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, they have the funds to pull it off. And that might be part of the problem is like it is cheaper to go to McDonald's and buy a $1 hamburger 
often when you're hungry and you're on the road it's like okay where am i going to find some natural mm -hmm. farm-grown food like you mm -hmm. can't and when you go to other countries i've been there was about two years of my life where i just traveled the world as well mm -hmm. so i can relate to visiting especially a lot of third world countries mm -hmm. um and when you go to those places it's like it's the opposite it's like yeah. there's farm fresh food everywhere and again that's kind of how humans have eaten for thousands of years mm -hmm. uh before processed foods mm -hmm. um so yeah, when it comes to that, like, what do you have to say about just the culture we live in? It is, I guess it just takes work. You just have to put in the work to be healthy, to to give back to the, you know, to the world and, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I think, yeah, I agree. But also, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to your values. Mm -hmm. If you value things, you'll find a way of doing it. Yeah, you know, it's true. not, it's not actually as hard as we make it out to be and i'm talking from a very privileged standpoint here mm -hmm. when i i had to leave home and i was 15 and i was living by myself and i had very little money to buy food for myself so there was no way that if you mm -hmm. told me i had to buy free range eggs or i'm like that I, that's just not accessible to me mm -hmm. but luckily a lot of people who are listening and us in this room we're very privileged to be able to make that choice you know mm -hmm. like an extra dollar doesn't kill us mm -hmm. um and we have the, the means to educate ourselves Mm -hmm. which also is that's that's a big privilege a lot of people mm -hmm. do, just don't know mm -hmm. so i think yeah if your values align with with the opportunity then why don't why wouldn't you do something about it yeah. why wouldn't you go that extra mile and mm -hmm. buy something that you know has a, a less less impact yeah or if, why wouldn't you go and eat something that you know is not gonna mm -hmm. very likely kill you <laughs> too soon like, <laughs> you know it sounds terrible but that's really what it is about absolutely or why wouldn't you just consume less I mean, it's a quite a simple not? option, you know. I think you just have to ask yourself why. It's like if you constantly feel like consuming, if you constantly feel like uh, a particular kind of uh, product that you know is really just not very good mm -hmm. for your environment or yourself, it's like where does that come from? Mm -hmm. There's likely some bigger need or bigger lack that doesn't have anything to do with the product. So when you had that initial success and your kind of realization of like, oh man, I can actually maybe do this. Mm. Uh, how did like how did you make that switch to go like and take it seriously and pursue it with the Nat Geo thing was that kind of the big moment for you where you, your mind was like oh wait a minute this is an opportunity and you like tell me about that process of jumping into it yeah I, to be honest since the moment I said no to my master's program and my job I just I, even though I didn't have quite figured out what that in line was or mm -hmm. what the title was of that project I was giving it my all anyway. I, mm -hmm. that was, that would, I wouldn't be just sort of waking up on a Monday thinking, yeah. I'll just see what the day brings. I'll be like, I'll do, I'll create whatever. And mm -hmm. I would find myself random little tasks that I know could help me into some some direction. So obviously then a Chio thing gave me a, like a bit of an extra confidence boost because there were a lot of up and downs. You know what it's like in, in, in the beginning as, an, as a freelancer, man, you yeah. one day you, you, you get an email that sparks your ego and yeah. another day, or another month you hear nothing mm -hmm. and you, you or you get a job that's not super fun but it pays and you gotta do it yeah, yeah. and you associate yourself so much with that it's such a learning mm -hmm. curve to say it doesn't that's not all of me you know absolutely i'm at a stage now in my career i've been doing filmmaking video for over 10 years i started mm. when i was 17 and i'm 29 mm. uh and for the last 10 years it's been stuff that i don't enjoy doing mm but sort of enjoy because I would add my own little flair to it mm -hmm. or like just take what I could out of it. Mm -hmm. For me, that was weddings. I've mm -hmm. shot over 300 weddings in the last like 10 years. Amazing. That's how I started in video. 
Um, but it's only now where I'm actually doing what I love with uh, YouTube. And that's mm -hmm. why I love the internet mm -hmm. and having, you know, a following online mm -hmm. because you, you gather a niche group of people or niche, I don't know how you mm -hmm. say it, yeah. but um, <laughs> you can gather, gather people who love the style of whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. They love your message. They love your, for me, it's humor. I'm very, mm -hmm. I'm I'm really big into comedy. Mm. Some people get my hum humor, some don't. <laughs> if you don't like it, don't watch it. If you like it, subscribe. Exactly. <laughs> and it's amazing how the internet has like allowed people to just be fully themselves and like gather a following of like-minded people. I agree. Um, what's that process been like for you? Like, did you at first kind of, I know for me when I started YouTube, I was like, okay, everybody's gonna like this. But then the more I'm doing it, it's almost like the more niche or um. niche I should be. Uh, because then at the end of the day, it's fully myself. And yeah. if you like me for who I am, it's so cheesy. But like, you want to just be yourself, right? Yeah. Well, because that helps you keep on going, right? Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, I agree. But I also, first, I really want to say like the dedication of, you know, shooting the, all, the, all these weddings you did and all mm -hmm. these other projects, maybe you didn't like as much. Yeah. That, that, that really, I think, is one of the key sort of recipes to overnight whatever success, success. And yeah to overnight, and air quotes right because during those couple of years <laughs> when i you know left university but i wasn't there was no way i was going to make a full-time income of a mm -hmm. blog i just started you know i was doing like social media and photography i was doing website design for random companies ended up freelancing for this one particular company that mm -hmm. we scaled the online business from like nothing to six figures in wow. you know half a year and that was really satisfying to do, but it had nothing to do with me. And mm -hmm. did I love it? Nah. Like we didn't sell a product I loved. We didn't, mm -hmm. but it was something for me to do. And I had mm -hmm. to do it because I knew it was going to pay me and teach me. And you learn something new yeah, all the time. I had to take random product photos and mm -hmm. model, model photos and all these things. I, mm -hmm. I mean, I wouldn't have gotten the opportunity otherwise, you know? So there's something to say about just actually taking whatever comes your way and, and just doing it as yeah. opposed to really thinking out the perfect plan and you, mm -hmm. have, you have to do this and you can only do, be in this niche like at the beginning yeah. just just do whatever as long yeah. as you're doing something i think momentum means everything mm -hmm. but then as you say like getting more into your niche or niche <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i also i started out thinking this is what i'm supposed to do right well, the, you the fashion you thought that yeah might i'm be like it. this is you know this is how these other fashion pockets do it i should mm -hmm. use i should use that kind of lingo i should i should use these kind of hashtags i should use these kind of poses or whatever it was mm -hmm. And that's fine. But then I will go to fashion week and I would end up writing about the paradox of like human consumption and behavior and just like, you know, going that's probably way the, off. One like, of the worst places to do that. <laughs> that's the whole point of the. Everyone goes to fashion week and just is like, oh, I, I just I love what they did this year. You know, it's, it's so innovative and uh -huh. I love that floral print. And I'm over here like just going into some like social analysis so it <laughs> was clearly not quite my thing have you ever seen um, devil wears prada <laughs> yes i have <laughs> um so you know then that just comes a point where you're like okay i just i have to just listen to myself more here because yeah. man if this also if you wake up and you're really tired and you really you're just really exhausted from work but there's something that you can just naturally do anyway or something that you've got mm -hmm. naturally to say anyway yeah that's probably that's probably so a true. good way to go because your body does it anyway if you have to really push yourself to an extent that feels completely mm. unnatural yeah, yeah maybe maybe shift you know I do think, it anyway um, but but shift yourself into a way that feels more more comfortable so mm -hmm. you don't have to make excuses for not wanting to do it mm -hmm. i think if you're still sucking air you can create and become whoever you want to be mm -hmm. and that goes for all age groups but especially for a lot of our listeners who are maybe in their uh you know early years in their career uh 
if you just zoom out and Lord willing, you live a healthy life into your eighties or nineties, like there's so much career left. So like stop, I feel like social media, because there's so many young teenagers Mm -hmm. that are multimillionaires, Mm -hmm. like we can easily compare ourselves to people who are younger and more successful or Mm -hmm. at least the same age and successful. It's like, well, if they can do it, why am I not doing it? And we used to not really, we weren't able to see that uh, as prevalent. As accessible too. Um, Mm -hmm. But like, just be patient. Like Mm -hmm. it takes time. And like you said, um, all your experience has led you to here. Like you couldn't have just been straight out of the gate from Austria doing this now instantly with 100,000 followers. Like it took time to build this up. And even your photography skills, like were you actually involved in photography growing Never. up is like what like literally that sony a6 was my first camera so tell me so. about how you entered into photography how you learned and and grew there i just traveled and shot mm-hmm. it really was quite as simple as that i didn't have i, I had we had a moment at doing university actually um so you in, didn't take any photography courses or anything? oh no god no wow. um and i would teach it I'm one of those. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it was, it was very much just that there was this moment in university doing a, a random human resources class, actually, where our teacher somehow went from like a very dry, boring professor to asking us what our calling was. Um, and we had this homework to do. And I came out with like words like create and, and was very confused at myself. I was wow. very like, oh, God, <laughs> what am I doing? I mean, yeah. just finishing this bachelor and now I'm telling myself I want to create. So that's kind of an inkling, you know, a seed planted. And then I went on a scholarship to China for a couple of months. And um, that's what I got the camera for. Because I'm like, I'm going I'm going to travel through mm-hmm. China. You know, it's, it's such a unique place to travel through. I'm, I'm going to get a camera. So that's mm-hmm. when I got the Sony A6 for because Amazon told me to get it. <laughs> um, quite might, simply put. Yeah. You just type camera. Uh, yeah. First <laughs> <I'm> like, result. <laughs> I'm like, it has to be lightweight. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, kit lenses, you know, just yeah. standard setup. Um, yeah. And then I started, that's when I started creating. And that's when I started, and I was traveling by myself. So there was a lot of time for me to create and think about creating. Mm-hmm. And um, three months later, I made my blog. Mm. A year later, I went out of university. And a couple of years later, I'm a professional travel photographer. Amazing. So, yeah. Did you, like, I mean, th- there are some things, like, when I look at your images, that you are clearly understanding now, like leading, <laughs> leading lines and composition and lensing and, you know, exposure, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Like, how did you actually learn that stuff? I would say two thirds of it is definitely just being in the outdoors and, and trying just it out. Trial and error. Or being, being in the outdoors, meaning just doing it, you know, mm-hmm. also editing and, and understanding how a photo is made up of and how you should maybe take a photo so you can edit it in a mm-hmm. nicer way. All about, it's, photography, photography is all about balance, really. Mm-hmm. Storytelling is about balance too. You want to create something that touches others but leaves a lot of room for others to put themselves into and also with an edit, you, you know, you don't want to go too far up on the whites and do nothing to the blacks, so, you mm-hmm. know, things like this. You want to you wanna keep it balanced um, with your framing and your composition. It's a similar way. I, I feel then we need to strike some kind of balance to to let to let the image do its talking. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that came from trial and error. But then also once I started, as I said, opening myself up to more of the community and speaking, reaching out to those like quite intimidating 
male photographers i don't know there seems to is was that when i started out anyway there seemed to only be these like adventure male photographers who knew exactly what they were doing mm -hmm. and they shop at rei yeah and then it was me <laughs> <laughs> i'm like i love the outdoors i love travel but well, i've got no idea about what uh, my camera is obviously doing. now there's mm -hmm. a lot of great female creators yes. you know erin outdoors we interviewed her sorella uh, moore she's amazing yeah, we interviewed her amazing. uh lizzie pierce we interviewed yeah. her and chris together they do go as a couple because they are a couple. Yeah, of course. Um, reaching out to these guys and how did it go? It was just quite intimidating initially because it, with a lot of guys, they, it seems to, for me anyway, initially, I had a feeling of a lot of ego being sold to me when really they were just proud of what they were doing and they uh -huh. were loving the outdoors. Yeah. But I, mm -hmm. I didn't know my stuff and I was mm -hmm. very aware of that, you know, mm -hmm. and I was quite naive about... That's a good point. Taking my time with it. I didn't rush myself into knowing, having to know exactly how mm -hmm. to use my camera straight away. But I feel like that was maybe sometimes expected. Like mm -hmm. sometimes to go on trips with some of these early friends that I made. Can you list any of your early friends? Her name is Rach Stewart. She's pretty mm -hmm. awesome. Is that um, her handle? Yeah, Rach Stewart instead. She, I mean, she's a long exposure photographer, so very different genre very to cool. me. But yeah, I mean, but you, I'm sure you learned a lot from that. I learned a lot from her. And I found she was, you know, there was people like her who, who were really open to me mm -hmm. saying, look, I know where we're going. I know how to hike. I know all, I know all this stuff, mm -hmm. but I don't really know how to use my camera. Mm -hmm. And she was okay with that. That's you know? awesome. Um, so it's nice to have people like that around you. And I always find that now when I, I mean, I have workshops myself now, but even when I mm -hmm. get to know people on the road <clears throat> or travel with other people who might not be so set up yet in their creative skill set to give them some space and just listen and, and, and give them some pointers because mm -hmm. that's what I wished for initially as well, you know? Yeah. Um, and then you, awesome. I slowly came across them. So it's it's good that if even if you think you know it all, you don't. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just to never. And so you're actually, you and uh, a guy named uh, Carl are yes. traveling around right now <laughs> together. And that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, they're always featured in your work necessarily. But mm -hmm. like, what do you, what's so good about that? Just having somebody to bounce ideas off of, somebody to just hike with so you're not yeah. bored by yourself or what, like, why do you like to travel with other people? Well, they just push you to to think in a different way. They, I mean, people, they bring they bring something else on the table that maybe mm. you haven't thought of before. You know that saying about you are the five people that you surround yourself the most with? Mm -hmm. um, I really believe that. <clears throat> and for me, because I don't get to be at home a lot, that's really important for me to have people around me when I'm on the road mm -hmm. that I can learn from and I can grow with alongside mm -hmm. and that I feel comfortable and safe with. That's so amazing. Um, because otherwise, man, you just, if you're just doing it for yourself, mm. like there's no point. Like What's why? Point? Like, yeah. you know, there's so many, there, there's so much to be learned and had from connections with others. Mm -hmm. I really, really believe that. And I know it sounds so airy-fairy, but it's not. It's like you, it, it adds a lot of value to your life mm -hmm. and um, it teaches you so much too. So traveling with good people is really important to me. So, um, well, yeah. you mentioned, I, so I have a wife and I'm about to have two kids. Uh, I have one now, but she's due in four weeks. And that's given me like an unbelievable amount of purpose and reason mm -hmm. to do this it's mm -hmm. to provide for them but also like it does give me an outlet to turn off yeah. and to just be dad and be mm -hmm. a husband um and my family doesn't they don't live in california i do have family that that do live here but my my immediate family they live in nashville and that was hard to move away from mm -hmm. them um but we did have a, a healthy relationship you did mention how you moved away from mm -hmm. austria do you think that like having these relationships with photographers and uh, tr travelers and stuff is your sense of family is that what you found there is is your family like 
are they supportive of what you do is mm. it something you want to talk about yeah absolutely i mean nothing to hide yeah i mean <clears throat> look i got brought up with my dad only my mom is still around um she just wasn't really in a place to to um to be there mm-hmm. um so yeah they were as supportive as they could be but not always yeah uh, when i started my blog my dad didn't talk to me for a very long time wow um but i he's also funny enough he's also an entrepreneur so it's really <laughs> oh wow so you know the apple didn't fall too far from the tree here yeah. and um he's not cr- creative in that sense but he mm-hmm. he was clearly scared of me running myself into some entrepreneurial you know it's, it's a very being an entrepreneur is is a yeah, tough gig it's risky yeah. it's a risky gig so I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of fear attached to it mm-hmm. as opposed to just him hating what i did yeah um in retrospect anyway and yeah so yeah my family wasn't entirely supportive are you close with your dad now or yeah yeah so like i have good relationships with everyone it's just not to the extent that i guess you would well even with me like my wife is not a a creative i think i i will preface this and say i I believe everybody in the whole wide world is creative i agree but and i had a teacher telling me in high school that i wasn't creative oh really i cannot wait to go back i'm I'm not gonna go back no i I believe it's part of human nature uh we're made to be creators and when when you wake up in the morning and you decide to do your hair a certain way that's a form of creation when you yeah when you cook uh, a meal whether it's good or bad you are creating something uh so every single person is creative even if you can't draw you know um but I will, I guess I say my wife is not artistically sure. creative or whatever. Mm. So she is very supportive of what I do, but it is fulfilling for me to share my work with other creatives yeah. and get inspiration from them. They're able to interact with what I'm doing and be like, hey, what if you did this? What if you did this? Exactly. You know, and so I think it's so valuable to have, I guess, both, you know, mm. your family, friends that, you know, maybe aren't artistically sure. whatever, but like, do you surround yourself with mostly creative artist people? Yeah, or? I mean, obviously, I still have a lot of friends from uni who are not yeah. who are not that way inclined. So mm-hmm. it's it's a bit sort of half half. But I'm, def- I'm my closest friends and the people that I associate myself with the most, they are in a creative space. I mean, yeah. this is the reason why Colin and I are traveling together and where a lot of my mm-hmm. friends um, are photographers or creatives in their own realm. Um, so yeah, it definitely matters. I mean, look, my family is still my family and they always will be my family. But yeah. there's also something to be said about taking sort of the reins in your own hand in that respect and if, mm-hmm. if life doesn't give you that picture perfect family that yeah. no one really has <laughs> mm-hmm. then maybe make it make your own um and i was even though i travel so much i was lucky to find people who's st- who stuck with me right throughout and uh, yeah that they matter and a, a huge amount and i also think that with social media it pushes you so much to chase your own dreams and just go and do and be but if you always just travel by yourself and you end up with all the success but with no people around you it's just not worth it so, absolutely yeah amazing hopefully somebody is inspired by that maybe somebody is in a similar situation and they can relate to you so thank you for being uh open about that um so let's start talking about some of your images i'm gonna start with my favorite and i believe it or not before <laughs> Uh, you came into this room and before we did research before I was educated on you uh, to do this interview I saw your giraffe picture oh <laughs> um, it was I assume it was a pretty viral image you should yeah. is that the Nat Geo picture uh, no okay. is that me kissing a giraffe or what yeah, you yeah, kissing yeah, yeah. a giraffe. I'm trying to find it here. Um, okay, so this image is a picture for the audio listeners. Again, I'll remind you, go on polarprofilters.com slash golden hour. You can see the video where we talk about the image that we're talking about. Or go follow Carmen at Carmen Hutter. 
it's not hunter it's hunter h-u-t-e-r um so yeah amazing image kissing a giraffe i would love to be in that situation that sounds like a blast uh i would imagine there's some crazy sandpaper tongue action going on well fun fact you know that giraffes tongues are antiseptic what does that mean exactly so it means Sorry, i didn't go to college yeah <laughs> <laughs> it basically means like the antibacterial. So it's oh, actually really? totally safe for you because otherwise it's a wild animal. So you shouldn't yeah, just go kiss I didn't know that. Um And also they taste like cinnamon. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. The, <laughs> the things that you learn. So tell me about this image, the history behind it and how it <clears> happened <throat> and yeah, just Chorus. where it was taken and stuff. Um, cool. So this was taken in Nairobi, Kenya. Ooh, I've um, been there. Oh, awesome. I've been there twice. Good. And we went to the Maasai Mara yes. and we did some work with the Maasai tribe. Love it. Yeah. I love Kenya. It's beautiful. It's a, it's a beautiful place. It's dangerous. Um, so a bomb went off when we were there. But other than same, that. actually. Someone, <laughs> someone got shot up the road and uh, yeah. I said, um, be safe, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, um, my, a friend of mine and I, we rented a Land Rover Defender and we mm. drove across East Africa on our own for... Did it have the snorkel on it? Had the snorkel, which yeah. we used a few times and had a rooftop tent, which wow, nearly so fell cool. off several times. That's but we so did sleep in. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. It was kind of, you know, it's, that's bringing back, bringing back to wire travel, just yeah. like for the sake of adventure and mm. just experiencing something different. So we drove across Kenya, Uganda and Tanzania and we mostly stayed in, at the rooftop tent and then every now and then... Um, thank you to uh, the gods of Instagram we got to stay in a few cool places Oh wow! but then at the very end of the trip I've always wanted to stay at this place called the Giraffe Manor mm-hmm. now they're usually booked out like literally people book here like over a year in advance like it oh, is wow. so it's they've gotten such media success over a few years that they don't do any marketing anymore like mm-hmm. they're, they're sweet like they're just booked <laughs> out for so long but for some reason when I inquired five weeks or so prior to it um, which I thought was super early living like this very last minute travel life but yeah. it turns out it was very late they had one cancellation and so I'm like I'm just sign me up like I'm just gonna find the money just sign me up it's yeah. quite expensive to stay at um, but basically the story behind the Giraffe Manor is that um, this family from Kenya they from Nairobi they figured out that the Rothschild giraffes, these kind of giraffes, mm-hmm. um, are highly endangered and there were wow. only a few left in Kenya. What kind of giraffe is it again? Uh, ro- I don't know how to say it in English. Ro- Rothschild? Rothschild? Rothschild okay. maybe? Yeah. Um, and th- yeah, so they had this big manor, this giraffe manor, they had this big house um, in Nairobi, but it's actually adjacent to a national park. So it's got huge land that, uh, close to it. So they thought about this idea of bringing in some of wow. these giraffes um, was obviously to consent of the tribes so or where, where the giraffes are from and breeding them up and then releasing them back into the wild because otherwise we would never these giraffes would be long gone what's now. the uh, what's the predator of them? um uh well a lot of poaching and then mm. just unfortunately like lions and stuff uh no nah, not so much like they're pretty sweet with other wildlife it's more a loss of habitat um mm. and loss of land due to climate change and population yeah. growth and stuff and stuff like that um yeah a lot of poaching though and um, yeah, so then they started doing this on their own, and then they started Amazing. realizing their potential about making it more of a tur- tourism situation. Yeah, it could and fund the the, uh, the humanitarian yeah, aspect yeah. of it. I mean, that is a big part. It's like if you are a tourist in this part of the world, like expect to pay a lot of money, but for a reason. You know, mm-hmm. you're literally contributing to the conservation of mm-hmm. these wild animals that that you would otherwise only see in a zoo. So it's yeah. it's pretty worth it. Um, yeah, so nowadays um, it's run by Safari Collection, which I think is like a British luxury uh, safari okay. situation. So the actual the family hotel is, is really nice then. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah it's stunning. Um, 
and it's like all inclusive and all these kind of things. There's very few rooms. That's fine. Um, but the, these giraffes, they are in the park um, and they are pretty social animals, actually. So every morning and then every early afternoon, they come to the hotel and the tourists can give them or the people that stay at the place can give them these little like pellets, like giraffe feed. Giraffes live of like mostly plants. So it's just kind of like wow. these like vegan crackers yeah <laughs> um and you 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 can you know i put them in between my mouth and then i got daisy the giraffe here um very cool to kiss me and uh did yeah. it taste like coconuts or whatever you said cinnamon okay yeah it's so <laughs> weird it's so weird it actually did yeah but that i mean the tongue Strange. is super coarse but because it's antibacterial you don't really have much to worry about did you still wipe your face with a wipe or something? Um, probably. I would have. Yeah. 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 I don't believe that it's antibacterial. Um, <laughs> otherwise, I'd be selling giraffe spit as a hand wash. You know. Hey, maybe that's what I'm. What my next business opportunity. So you just. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just scrolled down a little bit and I oh, saw sure. uh, this. It looks like a. Do you know? This is actually from our polar pro shoot. Oh, no way. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So sure. um, if you haven't seen the Polar Pro Focus video that you did, it's incredible. Um, it's linked in your link tree on uh, your Instagram is. account. Is it actually? That's yeah, cool. I just nice. checked. Yeah. <laughs> um, so go on her Instagram page and you can click her link tree and then there's a link to her video. Um, but the video is really great. Uh, tell me about this experience. And while we're on the topic, you can... Hmm kind of touch on the video itself and how you sure. shot it and just all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I had a lot of fun creating it. So I um, teamed up with my friend Eric uh, from New Zealand who's a videographer. What's his uh, handle or Eric something? Eric Edits. Okay. Edits. Sorry, my my Kiwi accent Eric is going to confuse edits. everyone. <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah, and we basically, you know, Polar Pro, you guys asked me to to create a video about myself, but mm -hmm. it, so much of social media feels so narcissistic and uh -huh. it's like, I'm not that kind of person, even though you might think I am. It's, it's a very, it's a strange mm -hmm. um, dichotomy, really, to be in. Um, not that I'm complaining, but there is something. Well, I mean, people connect uh, with a personal yeah. brand. They connect with a personality. So therefore, you're posting a lot of pictures of yourself. So it comes off. You have a brand attached to your name, Especially right? because of it's you, you might think, oh, this is so vain. But to everybody else, it's it's not it's just normal. Perhaps I don't think anybody yeah. thinks like that except you. <laughs> I can be very self-critical, which most creatives yeah. I think are. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So anyways, um, anyway, so we I we came up with this concept of making it about create more than you consume because it's something that I, I talk about that. a lot. And mm -hmm. so I wrote the script for it, and then we shot it. We flew down to Queenstown, which is where this is taken, New Zealand, and we also shot some of it in Taiwan because wow. I wanted to have yeah, some. I wanted to have some, and Eric is actually Taiwanese, which mm. was awesome to shoot with him there. But I just wanted to have this this um juxtaposition of the outdoors and sort of my natural habitat but also mm -hmm. the the, the frazzleness and the, the busyness and the chaos of of the world we live in um just to give the create more than you consume more context so yeah we flew to queenstown we shot uh, the scenes there within like god about 24 hours or something we jumped in a helicopter and then we also hired this land rover in this picture which i love i That's love amazing. land rover so much yeah. do you own one no, I wish. <laughs> Do you know? They apparently they're making an electric Land Rover Defender. Oh, that's perfect. I'm yeah. like, sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> as long as it can well, still go through mud. Oh, exactly. And, uh, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Um, I actually don't even own a car. I own a Vespa, like a little Italian yeah. scooter. So. I mean, you travel too much. It doesn't. There's it's no, no sense, real home no base, point. I guess, huh? Yeah. I mean, I ha I pay rent. In New Zealand. Um, yeah. Mm. A lovely place, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not really that much. You should Airbnb it when you're gone. Yeah, I can't because I, I don't own it. 
Yeah, you, you <laughs> might get away with it for a while. <laughs> well, now that I've said it publicly, it's no way. But yeah, so we, we shot that um, in Queenstown and uh, for the Polar Park video, cool. which I love creating it. How long did it take to shoot the Polar Park video? Was it like so we had like maybe days, Yeah, we had a couple of days in Queenstown and then in Taiwan we spent a week. Mm-hmm. And then we had the voiceovers as well. We were delusionally um, tired in a hotel room, which is such a... What did you record the audio with? Your phone? No. These Eric, types of things? Yeah. Something. Oh, he brought... So he, 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 we he had came gear. with all the equipment. We had, we had the gear that so, I can't tell you about, but we had the gear. It's just that I was so tired. I kept on I kept on cracking up. So like literally we were sitting there for about four hours. Oh. <laughs> and I was also... I had the flu. So I, like, my voice was like... Yeah. It doesn't come across that way. It sounds um, good. It looks good. <laughs> I wouldn't... You would never know. Well, thank you. Anyway, <laughs> it, was, it was so much fun. I love creating with other people. It's so fun to 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 create something with someone else and let them shine and let them like. It pushed Eric to do new things. I had these ideas and Eric was like, "What what are you talking about?" You know. And then you you, you end up coming together and you end up yeah. bringing it all together from sort of my standard point of view about the crepe money consume and then his mm-hmm. visuals. Really, it's Absolutely. really yeah. It's 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 amazing to to work with others. It's important to listen to everybody's ideas. There's this. Um, I think Ron Howard said. Mm-hmm. I think I feel like somebody told me this on the podcast. Mm-hmm. It might have been Josh Yeo, but um, Ron Howard, the big film director, mm-hmm. he says that if if anybody has a suggestion, he's willing to hear it. Like even. Yeah the lowest level like PA assistant Mm. like if he has an idea like there's a reason why that person has an idea and even if it's a bad idea technically that idea could spur another idea that becomes a good idea so and just opening yourself up I think like being a creative you it requires you to have an open heart Mm -hmm. and mind about absolutely otherwise you and other people's brains like their perspective the way that they were raised the home that they're from I mean he's from uh what was oh eric where's yeah. he from again taiwan taiwan yeah so so, yeah. so the, his whole life yeah. growing up there sure. he has a whole different perspective on the world because of where he grew up compared to you exactly yeah so last year i uh, f- found myself really run down by the nature of this job and also just my brain just was overworked and mm-hmm. i decided to go hiking in nepal i was gonna go with a friend actually also an instagram friend but she got sick um so i was left to go by myself with this group of very random men literally only men and me uh south african men um who planned to do this for a long time and they mm-hmm. wanted to go hiking so i joined them and we did a i think we hiked for almost three weeks um we hiked up to i don't know in feet we hiked up to six thousand meters very that's high. fine very you guys high. can convert it on google <laughs> i don't know what that means um, it's high it's bloody high yeah <laughs> <laughs> it like literally like you can't breathe uh-huh. <laughs> um but yeah we did this amazing hike into places like these that mm-hmm. you haven't seen before I mean, there's a big chance you haven't seen this before on Instagram. It's also really hard to geotag it or find it because it's in the middle of like an eight-hour hike. Wow. You know, 10 days in. You tagged um, it. Wh- it's it's a national park, uh, Sagamata. So that means uh, Mount Everest. So okay. that's the name of Mount Everest in Nepalese. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, wow. I'm... I'm so uncultured. I did not no, know that. Don't That's worry. amazing. Yeah. So um, the image we're looking at is just this beautiful landscape, um, and it's of Mount Everest, right? Uh, no, a different mountain actually. Okay. But so it's in near the it. national park where Mount Everest is, is okay. based. Yeah. I mean, a photo we pulled up before was me at Everest Base Camp. Okay, that's why I was. Confused. But yes, yeah, so we is, like. Is that you? Uh, no, nah, that's one of the people hiking. Okay, so there's a little person down there. Yeah. Not a not a l- little person, but a, s- a small person. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not small. They're normal size. They're just far away. 
Oh, jeez. Um, All right. So, yeah, so that was Everest, Everest Base Camp. Which is like uh, one of the stops. Uh, Actually, one of the more like least exciting stops because it was not as... <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny because it's so hyped up. A lot of people go there just to form an Everest, but we actually did a, a much bigger route and then Mount Everest was just on the way out. Oh, wow. But yeah, on this post, I'm talking about this uh, conundrum of people wanting to visit this area as I did too. And actually the Himalayan ice caps being, uh, well, tortured by both climate change and also uh, waste, human waste because and people, rubbish. People um, are constantly trying to climb it because it's such a destination and they're just leaving their soda cans and Yeah, it's uh, not allowed anymore now, but whatever. it's, What's it's not allowed? quite... Uh, Littering? Yeah, so you have everything it. you take, you have to take out. You basically hire people to take your oxygen and your, your rubbish oh, wow. out. So you can't leave anything on the mountain anymore. But I think because it's been so many years of pollution, um, there's a lot to be um, wow. to be taken away from. I mean, when we went, you know, you wouldn't see any rubbish at the base camp because the base camp clears out during mm-hmm. half of the year because it's impossible. It's too cold and too snowy and the ice moves mm-hmm. can like, kill you. And then the other half of the year, it's climbing season, um, which is, it's a, str- it's a strange thing to think about standing on these ice caps thinking that for half the year when I wasn't there, for half the year, it's literally a little city mm. with these all these climbers full of hopes of climbing the highest mountain in the world and the other half it's just empty ice mm. but yeah so this post i was talking about that um it's just again it's one of these things it's like you travel somewhere for for the reason of experiencing it or for the reason of wanting to see it yeah. but then you learn more and that was one of the things i learned and i think it's important wow. to talk about it publicly Absolutely. and i wish more people did too same with giraffe manor actually mm. i wish that you know so, so many quote-unquote influencers go there and talk about how amazing it is to kiss these giraffes but no mm-hmm. one talks about how these giraffes are actually highly endangered yeah it's like i didn't know that just i just thought it was a cool destination course. for rich people to go see yeah. giraffes right <laughs> so tell me about your editing process we talked about your camera i mean you're on a full frame or what are you uh, on now sony a7r3 okay cool are you gonna get the four don't know probably are you a sony I'm alpha female for- uh, creator okay. or whatever so this it's is called my, hello Sony nice to meet you this is such a conundrum so in New Zealand I, I do quite a bit of work with Sony but they have, there's no budgets there Sony Alpha America I can't be on their team because I don't have an address here I oh, need to have an address box, yeah. in yeah <laughs> just meet meet somebody here and like I be like hey like, can I use your them. oh yeah maybe I should do that just have a friend give you their address I've missed out on so many Sony um like Northern America gigs because I, 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 I don't have an address here in Canada, which is really annoying because the Sony Alpha female team is amazing. There's well, a bunch of amazing females I think in there. They like Canadians in? Yes. Yeah. yeah it's either Canada or uh, America. Okay. But I, I'm, next year I'm moving anyway to somewhere in the Northern Hemisphere at least because New Zealand as a home base doesn't work in my job. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's so beautiful. You could go see so Middle beautiful. Earth. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me about your editing process. Sure. Is there a color theme that you try to maintain? Do you prefer shooting or editing? We'll get into that later, but... Mm, I love editing, but I probably prefer shooting because I just prefer, like, yeah. being outdoors and creating a lot you, of the You mean you don't like hunching over a computer for five hours oh, a day? Five hours? Well, I'm talking about video. <laughs> yeah. Video takes forever. Oh, my God. I, can't, I see that's, like, one of the main reasons why I always just team up with video friends because yeah. I don't know how you guys have the patience especially when you're trying to do daily YouTube content it's ridiculous oh my god Kills but I don't you. do that but yeah nah I, do I could, I could never week. I could never I already struggle with like just getting my 100 megabyte Sony files times uh, I mean our the our images are 5,000 you have to yeah. have a good computer just to good computer and so many hard drives mm-hmm. yeah um, anyways but anyway. tell me about your editing what do you <laughs> what software do you use like is there a theme that you try to maintain I feel like I'm just very standard here I use Lightroom uh-huh. Photoshop like on a Mac where, yeah on a Mac on, yeah, well we interviewed the, Drew the Photo last week he only edits on an iPad and he uses wow. Affinity Photo 
which is like a $30 app. He doesn't even use Lightroom. Good on him. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm way too far into the Lightroom game to yeah. go back. Um, yeah. It's just okay. Lightroom, Photoshop every now and then, color theme. Not particularly. I enjoy blues quite a lot. I enjoy... Yeah. Well, I mean, if you scroll through, yeah. there's a lot of blue. I enjoy... It's yeah. a good look. Thank you. Um, it contrasts your skin tone nicely, so it's perfect. But then um, you also have some great uh, orange and yellows mm-hmm. as well with especially the African stuff. Mm-hmm. So... Um, the dolphin images, by the way, are incredible. Thank you. Did you get a underwater housing and like go do a bunch yeah, of cool so stuff? Yeah, I have like an that? underwater housing. So underwater and wildlife photography is definitely the, the two sort of niche mm-hmm. niches um, that I'm trying to move into more because you don't like taking pictures of yourself. <laughs> well, I love taking pictures of other people, but I just think it's so easy to unintentionally copy yeah. an idea when you're standing on top of a mountain, but when mm-hmm. you have a f- when you're under the water and when you're with wildlife, that's almost impossible because mm-hmm. they just, They're always the, the environment controls what you're doing. And I, I you appreciate- can't tell them to go stand over there with the leading lines perfectly in the right. middle. Yeah. yeah, and I appreciate like <laughs> that sort of like lack of control and that patience because I think it teaches me a lot more as a creative mm-hmm. as opposed to going from one photo spot from like, you know, going I could go from Iceland to Canada to, to the Dolomites to New Zealand and shoot the same thing over and know I would do, it would do really well in terms of engagement. I would get great imagery, but- it's not really what fulfills me in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, so I rather, yeah, underwater is like, it's, it's it's really hard, but I have a housing, I have an Aquatech, which I love. Cool. Um, is it heavy? Uh, no, it's pretty light. It's just a, like a bulky setup. Do you, you have know? a scuba and you license? And you look like a huge dork when you walk <laughs> down the beach. Also, Carl and I are both traveling with uh, free diving fins. Oh, wow. And they don't fit in our suitcase. So mm. literally, like, we are walking around the airport with these, like, big hammer bags and, like, fins on the arms. Oh, that's just, funny. We look, we look ridiculous. Well, you just say you're like a scientist or something. Oh, yeah. I mean, part of me kind of feels cool about it because, you yeah. know, people think that we're like these really cool... Adventurers. Yeah. Divers. Well, you are, though. Yeah. You are, you are cool <laughs> divers. Um, how do you make money? What's like your main stream of income? Um, it's quite diversified. So a lot of it obviously comes from selling space on Instagram, mm-hmm. promoting products that are in line with my views, um, which are in the tourism industry. So it's... Uh, but e- I look ethical clothing airlines I mean it's not okay. a, it's not a crazy amount of ads but yeah I mean I look through your feed there's yeah. not like nothing screams like that you're marketing to me at all yeah well then you gotta read the caption see that's the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no it's really yeah it's it's. It, I, I'm very I'm it's really important for me to to f- have only products or partners in there that mm-hmm. are very natural with my brand so I yeah. don't have to make a big fuss out of it mm-hmm. like you won't see me on top of a mountain with like mm-hmm. some protein shake blender in my hand you know because yeah. i don't go hiking with that like it's just it has to be something that fits with me uh-huh. which turns out it's possible i wasn't ever really sure in the beginning but there's plenty of brands out there that yeah. that i do enjoy consuming mm-hmm. um and that i enjoy promoting um and so that, that's a big part and then another big part is uh image licensing mm-hmm. just for like commercial purposes and then also prints and presets Mm-hmm. Um, on and my you're doing website. courses too now, right? Oh yeah, true. I forgot about that. I do workshops. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I'm actually just about to start them. I have two this year, and starting in my hometown in a little town in Austria in the Alps. Oh, that's go, so neat. And then we'll drive through the Dolomites, mm-hmm. which are very close by. And then I, um, my flatmate actually from New Zealand is my assistant there. Mm-hmm. And then I have another one in Nepal um, with another friend of mine, Melissa Finley, who she's also a travel photographer, and mm-hmm. we're doing that together in Nepal. Wow. Um, yeah, so that's another big um, 
big income stream on income stream um, sure. I think it's really important to have your income diversified especially on a platform that you've got no control over it's so volatile so Instagram volatile. could just change their algorithm oh. and overnight you lose half your engagement you know I have exactly. friends that were family vloggers yeah. full time and then there's this big controversy with like content with kids in it and yes. now they on like YouTube yeah, on yeah, YouTube yeah I've heard about that and then they so they don't have any comments on their videos now it's disabled wow. on everything wow and so they've literally lost two thirds of their income sure. you know so stuff like that can just happen overnight yeah. so you have to diversify yeah um, but I just want to jump topic uh, before we wrap this thing up because I think it's real important and it's something that you talked about before we recorded and that is just the plain fact of being a female creator mm. and being in the photography space and like you know i think there are a lot more uh i hope there's a lot more female photographers that are empowered we've interviewed a lot of incredible female mm. uh, creators but we've also interviewed uh technically more males you know uh tell me about what it's like being a female in this space where it feels like it's more male dominant uh and it probably is in terms of numbers mm. what's that situation like and as a female yourself, how have you navigated that? And how can you speak to maybe a woman listening to this mm. that wants to get started mm. that doesn't feel like they can? Well, I'm an eternal optimist. So like I see this as a big opportunity because I think there's a big space for female creators and I'm putting the creating first as opposed to being, um, let's say a model. Mm -hmm. Because there, I have a lot of friends who primarily get other people to photograph them you know and they travel a lot and a lot of them say to me they're actually just they love taking pictures but they're just kind of scared of posting pictures without their minute and this sort of set up mm -hmm. um set up formula mm -hmm. um which is a big shame and i think it comes to really show what we've what we've allowed females to go into in this industry and kind of like let them be mm -hmm. this like you have to wear these hiking shoes and these leggings on top of a mountain and stand this way to to be a female Mm -hmm. travel photographer which is complete nonsense you know mm -hmm. um, it's also another reason why I've chosen more underwater and wildlife photography because it removes me entirely so mm -hmm. there's no there's no like oh look at her there's just look at the image look at the Let work the that image she's doing speak for mm -hmm. itself totally um, I found it initially quite intimidating because I found there was a big expectation about me being either in front or in, uh, behind the camera and it was kind of like I couldn't uh, there was a lot of stigma around being both I enjoy being in front of the camera and mm -hmm. I love being behind the camera and I don't think you have to be one or the other I think you can just do it your, do it your way yeah. um, and I think for a lot of girls it's like just realize that, that there is actually no one no, there's there's no one formula no one way mm -hmm. to do it you don't have to have this Instagram set up as this like female traveler you, you can post pictures with you and then you can mm -hmm. post six more without you and I promise you they won't do worse it's about mm -hmm. what you're about it's about your intentions and about the value you're providing you can provide plenty of value if you're not in the picture mm -hmm. sometimes even more so i think first of all you have you have to let go of that ridiculous assumption um yeah. and and stereotype and then i think it's also it goes it goes way beyond that and it goes uh, to companies like polar pro and a lot of other companies about embracing um, female creatives in mm -hmm. their truest form in all of their forms um way beyond looks and way beyond um you know skin color and all these other things um, which is another thing. I course, mean, Instagram yeah. is not a very diverse place, if, if, if we're honest about that. So I think it, it comes down to, you know, what do companies invest their money in? Because mm. there's plenty of money to go around. There's plenty of sponsor posts to be made. There's plenty of uh, things to be consumed, I'm yeah. afraid, you know, as much as there's plenty of things to be created. And mm -hmm. it goes down to the big money, too, to be be shared 
equally amongst mm-hmm. amongst all. Absolutely. So, yeah. I yeah, I definitely think it's an amazing time to see because honestly uh, the internet just allows people maybe who grow up in poverty to if they have access to the internet mm-hmm. you can build a career around this and it's amazing and empowering mm-hmm. for you know males and females mm-hmm. and um, what would you say to yourself now with your perspective where you are now if you had a time machine go back to like little Carmen you know like you know I don't know let's say 14 years old like what would you tell yourself with what you've learned now mm probably create more sounds so stupid it's my line but mm-hmm. yeah create more especially because i wasn't i was always told that's not really my cup of tea um so what a ridiculous concept to tell other people what what they like and what I they know, don't like right? just let them try out and also <laughs> something that again sounds so airy fairy but i think it's really true at least to my path would you say airy fairy fairy it's like a thing we say in new zealand about it sounding like how do you Fru-fru say? Or yeah that's great <laughs> i'm gonna there. start using that yeah <laughs> but um yeah basically just you know you are enough I didn't mm. I didn't know it for a long time. I struggled with that for a long time. I wasn't raised in an environment where that was that mm-hmm. was language being used around me. And um yeah, don't wait for other people to tell you you really are enough and you can create whatever you want to create. Turns out you really can. Wow. I mean, I literally thought I was going to live on the streets when I was 15. So, and now I'm so lucky to be sitting here and talking to you. So, it's, wow. it's all possible. Well, that's a great <laughs> way to end the podcast. Thank you so much, Carmen, for coming on Thank the Polar Pro Podcast. Again, check her out on Instagram and your website. Uh, you can you can go to CarmenHunter.com because she bought the domain because it was <laughs> such a problem. But we w- we're all about the Hutter uh, and we will defend that at all costs. So thank you, Carmen, so much for coming on and uh, enjoy your time in LA. Thank you. (laughs) Hope you guys enjoyed my interview with Carmen Hutter. Make sure to follow her on Instagram at Carmen Hutter and send her a DM and let her know that you enjoyed the podcast. We really enjoy making these golden hour podcasts for you guys. So let us know what you think in the review section on iTunes. Just go to the podcast app and give us a review. Give us a star rating and let us know what you think of the golden hour podcast. That really helps grow this show and get it out to more people. Thanks again for shooting me messages and letting me know what you guys think about this podcast. It means the world to me and you guys are awesome. Once again, I'm Dave Mays. This is Golden Hour Podcast. We'll see you next week.